All right, welcome to the um, 58th episode of the next report where we talk about Unix and overlooked pop culture. Um, I'm Thomas. And I'm Stephen. Uh, last time we kind of talked about you know things like Tor, VPN, you know anything that can get around censorship and help access information, spread information, and figured we kind of went over maybe at least one of the things last time, but like the impact that it's had. We'll start out with the impact that all that this concept has had and kind of segue into some more fun stuff because that's, you know, that's one of the things that the access to, you know, unfettered access to information can allow us to also have like cool fun stuff too. When we talk about being able to look things up, find things out um, without having to go through any layer of bureaucracy. Um, some of the things that can happen is it can it can have an impact on business. It can also complicate things in business. Um, one example is, um, and we'll be kind of mentioning Netflix a little bit later, but there's been pressure, at least in Australia, to um, have Netflix ban the use of VPNs, which um, good luck with that because um, you can't ban every single IP address. It's not going to end well. And one of, the, one of the reasons for all of that is the complicated rights systems throughout the world. Um, the geolocking and everything else, because how a lot of this, how a lot of how a lot of video-based entertainment works, whether it's movies, show, or anything like that, even nowadays is it's kind of set by rights are set by worldwide region for whatever reason. It's to maximize profit and everything else in their minds. Unfortunately. Um, technology is moving beyond the old mindset and a lot of these business oriented individuals and companies don't always modify their strategy to where customers actually can be served and actually may increase profits but they don't see that in the long run they only think of the short term so anyway you get these complicated complicated stuff what, what happens, whether it's Australia or somewhere else, a VPN is used to access stuff in the U.S. that may, or, or in another country that may not be available where you're at. That's how people are able to watch you know, BBC shows without being in, you know, in England itself or it's how people can access Netflix in the United States where Netflix may not be available in their neck of the woods. So um, uh, your, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think this is kind of 
do you, do you think do you think these companies are right? Uh, um, well, I think I kind of agree with you for the most part because um, if a company is going to decide to offer a specific service, and uh, especially when it comes to entertainment like Netflix or Hulu. Um, they should be able to allow their customers access to their their information. And now, granted, we you had mentioned that, like a lot of other things, is, is and this goes for like DVDs and Blu-rays as well, and Blu-ray players. Sometimes those are actually locked to a region, even if it's physical media. If if like your device picks up that it's from uh, a different region, then it's supposed to not play it. I think I'm not sure exactly how that works. But it's, it's the same way with, like, online material, online media. Like, if you're watching a video on Netflix or uh, streaming something from Google Play. I think Google Play is completely open, but I don't hold me to that. Right. So, uh, it, should, it shouldn't pose a problem to a customer who is willing to pay for a specific service. If they're paid, then why stop them? Why, why stop them from increasing your profits? They're willing to pay to use your services. And and part, part of it may be the licensing fees. It's um, the, the end of the Forbes article that I'm looking at is is that um, and this this guy this guy that's writing this article trying um, Ian Morris is pointing this out is um, ultimately, TV and movie studios need to remember something. Netflix customers are paying for the service. Every Netflix user, whether they're connecting through a VPN or not, has made the conscious decision to pay for entertainment rather than to download it from a torrent site. If rights holders force Netflix to shut the door on these subscribers, then it will simply force them to get the shows and movies they love in another way with zero potential profit for anyone. And there was an update um, when a firm from Gold, firm Golden Frog, it's a VPN firm, got in touch with a quote from uh, Sunday Yaku Bytus, which pretty much agreed that VPN users are for the most part using these services to protect their privacy above all else. Um, this is a quote from direct quote from him. When accusations are made against VPN users without basis, this only discourages the use of VPN services, and it puts people at increased risk. In an online world that is increasingly less private and secure, we'd hope the organizations would encourage privacy tools and stop inaccurately stereotyping VPN users. It is privacy, not piracy, that drives the popularity of VPNs. The perception that an internet user that desires privacy and security as a pirate needs to be changed. Um, and so the, it's kind of maybe that's that fear of the unknown too. Or maybe the fear that people will know some things that uh, maybe politically um, controversial. Like uh, a certain non-disclosure agreement with the FBI to track uh, cell phone usage. And according to Muckrock News, and this is this is a very, very recent article too, um, 
spotted this, and I was like, oh my. Um, this this is first actual paragraph. Advanced cell phone tracking devices known as stingrays allow police nationwide to home in on suspects or to log individuals present at a given location. But before acquiring a stingray, state and local police must sign a non-disclosure agreement with the FBI. Um, so, and according to this, um, that, that agency is heavily involved and Harris Corporation is the one that manufactures these things. They're basically cell site simulators and they they trick phones into connecting to it as if it were a cell tower which allows police to determine the location and the owners of the phone. So, so it's just um, so that's that, that's definitely going to cause some um, a bit of ruckus, I would say. Which I think you and I both know that that when you when you turn your phone off, you're not really turning it off. The only way to turn it off truly is to pull the battery out. In a lot of newer phones, the battery is now integrated into the phone, so you can't pull it out for. Uh, the phone that I have currently, it, it's got an internal battery which I can take out. All I have to do is take off this hard to take off case, get the whole heavy thing out, and then to pop off the back cover, and I can't take my battery out. And that's how I access my SD card slot, and micro uh, SIM card slot, and stuff like right. that. But like you said, it doesn't truly turn it off because if you turn off the phone. There's still an internal clock on the mother on the board of the phone. There's uh, a couple of other devices actually running, actively searching. And and I and I've read a story of can't remember where 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 they can be remotely turned back on, so to speak, and everything else. And and you know I'll be honest, it's um, with, with some of the once some of the stuff in that media content generation that I've done in the past, at this point I don't I personally don't care because I'm like I'm probably on some list somewhere. Um and I could panic about it and and basically die of an aneurysm from worrying so much, or I can just be like, Well, might as well live my life because you only live once anyway. And I'm 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 like, and I'm like I'm on the ScreenWise, I'm also on the ScreenWise panel, which which, yeah, you know, here's kind of what it looks like. Um, holding this up to the webcam here, this is kind of what it looks like for those who may not know on your phone. Uh, what that is is it harvests your data from surfing in Google Chrome. And you know your searches and stuff, and all that information, how you use the web, is sent to Google to, so they can use that info to improve their services. Yada yada yada. They they pay us. They kind of pay you, reward you in a small stipend every every week or so. And 
And once you have, once you generate $25 in rewards, you can get a gift card from various places. I figured if, if heck, if, if they're going to be harvesting my data anyway, I might as well get paid for it. <laughs> That's just me. And it's not much. It's something that I can use to, one of the things that they allow for is an Amazon gift card or something like that. I'm like, well, I could probably do that. And, and I'll, and heck, if they if they do if it turns out they do Walmart gift cards too, I'll be like, oh, what the hell? If, unless it's an e-gift card, then I'll go another route. But if they they send out a physical gift card, oh, what the hell? That's that's like free gas for me. So yeah, so <laughs> I've earned six bucks so far, but that's because I have a computer and. And a phone. If I had a tablet too, then <laughs> then I'd be able to. I used to have a tablet, but I sold it off years ago. But I personally don't care, but others others might care. Um, and and that's you know that's why organizations like WikiLeaks exist, which uh, people argue back and forth about Julian Assange, but one of the Figured you might find this interesting. Have you ever heard of the Fen Fisher software? Uh, maybe. I, I remember when uh, the whole phishing phenomena uh, phenomena took off, and uh, Internet Explorer actually had something built into it. I can't remember which version it was. It's like seven or eight. Right. I decided to start building that into it. It's, I think well, the XP was still popular. <laughs> Well, Fen Fisher is soft. It, it, it's it's it was privately sold to various governments, and they used it to spy on dissidents. Um, and the this article from Engadget kind of puts it quite bluntly: it's their all-or-nothing approach to revealing shady government activity took a new, if decidedly risky, turn. They posted FinFisher and FinSpy PC, the intrusion software that Australia, Italy, Pakistan, and other countries use to break into and spy on people's devices, no matter what platform they're running. Uh, they're hoping that privacy-minded developers will actually try to improve security and prevent these governments from cracking down on dissidents. And it's... and. And it's also an attempt to pressure Germany to clamp down on, on it and live up to its anti-surveillance principles. Um, and they're hoping that the tools won't fall into the wrong hands. Um, but the the cool part is. Um, there will be people out there that'll pretty much. Uh, fix that pretty quickly if they care they have to care enough to do it but I'm fairly confident there are enough people out there who will who will do it and it's in their little spy files for sp spy files for grouping and and it look it looks like they've got um, And the size of the biggest file is like 
less than three megabytes. So be be interesting to at least analyze their code if you're if you're into that sort of thing. But um, like, would you be able to tell what type of what type of language they probably use to develop this stuff? I imagine some some Java would have to be involved in it if it if they said all platforms, right? Yeah, J Java pretty much runs on anything you can install the Java virtual machine on. It runs on uh, Solaris Spark devices. Uh, it'll run on uh, a Mac. It'll run on Windows, Linux, just anything. And it runs on almost every hardware. Even the Raspberry Pi comes packaged with licensed version uh, versions of Oracle software, of Java software. So it runs Java by default. Uh, and uh, that would allow them to run that fish device. The only problem is if they were concerned with performance, Java would not be their first choice. But they may not be concerned with performance in this case. They're only concerned with cracking on the security. Oh. It's like... The Fen Fisher's Fence by PC is primarily for Windows. Um, it's mainly to install, be installed on Windows computer, um, silently only intercepting communications, and files, Skype calls, emails, video, and audio through the webcam microphone. Um, in order to prevent any accidental execution and infection, the following files have been renamed, compressed, and password-protected archives. Um, warning that they're weaponized malware, so handled very carefully. Um, so, so, so it, it's definitely going to create quite a stir for a little while, but. Um, so business, government, this stuff has created quite a few conversations in all of this, and which brings this kind of wrapping up point of of why why I feel it's important. But but before we do that, um, why do you think free flow of information is important? Well. Like, for me as a developer, um, well, one of the th reasons why we should have, before I even get to the developer point, one of the reasons why we should have a free flow of information is because it will allow people, normal people just like you and me, who are doing this podcast right now, to do the podcast. If, if they've decided that uh, podcasting needs to be slowed down or it, it the traffic is just not allowed anymore. Just audio and video traffic. What, what's what's there going to be for entertainment for users? What people are going to be forced to go see a movie in the theater and forced to get a uh, physical copy of a disc? Some people prefer their stuff in digital downloads and digital delivery instead of physical copies. And then there's also people the other way around that prefer the physical copy, but we won't get into that argument right now. Right, but that would prevent people like us to do that. 
Um, if if you guys are familiar with any sites like uh, GitHub or uh, SourceForge, if you do anything with Linux or anything like that, there's a lot of projects out there that are that have the source code and everything else available on those sites where you can actually download the source code and packaged software, pre-built binaries to install on your machine and run. But you're also able to work, you can contact the developers and say, like, if you have a bug, like, for example, you run a specific set of software on uh, Linux and then you run it on Windows and you actually have a problem with Windows, you need to tell the developers about it because they may not know yet. They may not have tested it on that or tested the specific uh, function that you were doing, the, what purpose of the software you were doing. So that would limit that. And I feel like it may not, it, if free flow of information, the idea of net neutrality actually gets disbanded or thrown by the wayside and then ISPs and everybody else push for this giant uh, trafficking scheme. I don't know what they're planning, but uh, I don't think that d uh, software development would be uh, cracked down on so much, but it's hard to tell, and it shouldn't. It should. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be cracked down on either way. Everything should be universal. Should be neutral. And and certainly, certainly, that's that's been a lot of that stuff's been important. If it weren't for the internet, I wouldn't have discovered things about myself. I wouldn't have discovered. Um, I wouldn't have found. Out that you know, I could run something other than Windows on my machines. I wouldn't have found any of that out. I, you know, it. I wouldn't have discovered that. Hey, I could, I could run an entire productivity-based system without shelling out hundreds of dollars for it. And and even I can even create I. You know, I now have the power to create content without shelling out hundreds of dollars for creativity software. Um, I th this this little rant has been known as the hacker manifesto of sorts, um, the or more more accurately, the conscience of a hacker. It was. It was an old digital magazine called Frack, and back in the back in that time period, this was this is back in the, this was published in 1986. This was just about uh, two years and maybe a few two, barely over two years after I was born, because I was born in March 1983. This was published in Janu on January 8th. 1986, and a guy by the name of the Mentor wrote this shortly after their arrest. Another one got caught today. It's all over the papers. Teenager arrested in computer crime scandal. Hacker arrested after bank tampering. Damn kids. They're all alike. But did you and your three-piece psychology 1950s techno-brain ever take a look behind the eyes of a ha the hacker? Did you ever wonder what made him tick, what forces shaped him, what may have molded him? I am a hacker, enter my world. Mine is a world that begins with school. I'm smarter than most of the other kids. This crap they teach us bores me. 
damn underachiever, they're all alike. I'm in junior high school or high school. I've listened to teachers explain for the 15th time how to reduce a fraction. I understand it. No, Miss Smith, I didn't show my work. I did it in my head. Damn kid, probably copied it. They're all alike. I made a discovery today. I found a computer. Wait a second. This is cool. It does what I want it to. If it makes a mistake, it's because I screwed up. Not because it doesn't like me or feels threatened by me or thinks I'm a smartass or doesn't like teaching and shouldn't be here. Damn kid, all he does is play games. They're all alike. And then it happened. A door opened to a world rushing through the phone line like heroin through an addict's veins. An electronic pulse is sent out. A refuge from the day-to-day incompetencies is sought. A board is found. This is it. This is where I belong. I know everyone here, even if I've never met them, never talked to them, may never hear from them again. I know you all. Damn kid, tying up the phone line again. They're all alike. You bet your ass we're all alike. We've been spoon-fed baby food at school when we hungered for steak. The bits of meat that you did let slip through were pre-chewed and tasteless. We've been dominated by sadists or ignored by the apathetic. The few that had something to teach us found us willing pupils, but those are few are like drops of water in the desert. This is our world now, the world of the electron and the switch, the beauty of the bod. We make use of a service already existing without paying for what could be dirt cheap if it wasn't run by profiteering gluttons, and you call us criminals. We explore, and you call us criminals. We seek after knowledge, and you call us criminals. We exist without skin color, without nationality, without religious bias, and you call us criminals. You build atomic bombs, you wage wars, you murder, cheat, and lie to us, and try to make us believe it's for our own good, yet we're the criminals. Yes, I am a criminal. My crime is that of curiosity. My crime is that of judging people by what they say and think, not what they look like. My crime is that of outsmarting you, something that you will never forgive me for. I am a hacker, and this is my manifesto. You may stop this individual, but you can't stop us all. After all, we're all alike. The mentor. Um, it, it was it was, it was this this thing that kind of popped up over and over again, and you know it just kind of resonated within me how. How I'm sure you've run into kids who who seem like they didn't care about having good grades in school, only it turned out they were smarter than what they let on, and everything else. Um, have you run into that out of curiosity? The uh, manifesto, or a kid that uh, seems smarter. <laughs> well, the the. Those students who look lazy on the outside and everything else, but turned out on the inside, they already knew the subject matter. It didn't interest them. They were bored, wanted something else to do. There, there were a lot of more kids. In, uh, well, for me growing up, I saw a lot more of that. I kind of hung out with that crowd. It depended on what kind of personality they had. Uh, Everybody's got a different personality. You know that. We all know that. But right. Anybody that feels like they're a tinker or uh, they want to, they they they're 
seek knowledge. Like they're not after religion. They're not after trying to harm someone. They're just after knowledge. There's a lot of people like that. I, I thirst. I hunger for knowledge myself. I don't always <laughs> provide that for myself, but right. I, I felt like maybe I was sort of part of that group. I never understood what programming was. I thought it was just like some kind of crazy foreign language. Like something that I'll never understand. That was just some wicked, crazy math. And I get into the field and I'm like, why didn't I do this earlier? <laughs> yeah, I... So. Um, ironically, I, I got into computers when... You know, it, it was it was one of those things where, you know, I, I was kind of aimlessly lost and everything else and and um you know my my sister went into you know went into like you know compu- classes where the computer were used more often so suddenly in high school I would do that and and I would try my hand at computer programming found out the hard way that technically I can do computer programming tried it again in college a little bit I can do software development. I don't have the patience for it. <laughs> so, but it I did this a long time. <laughs> yeah, because like, because like one little thing wrong can throw the whole thing off, and I can bang my head against the wall, bang my, and and bless his heart, Doctor Kamal was way more patient with me than he. I, I honestly thought he should have been. I, I had always heard that you know he. You know he he's you know fairly demanding as a as an instructor. For some reason he took mercy on me, and I don't understand why. But I think he saw that that my my mind worked differently from everybody else's, and I was not going to grasp this stuff as quickly or be able to get or that I get frustrated very easily. He's like, look, you know, he of course he was trying to keep his numbers in CIS up. Um, by by like even if you're not that great of a developer, you know, you you can still make good money managing an entire team of developers. And I'm like, and after after quitting an accounting class twice, I think maybe three times, I can't remember. Actually, twice. I'm like, I'm gonna change my major. I I'll do computers, but not on the university's terms. I'll do it on my terms because I'm like. I know why the accounting stuff is done, but my it just makes my head explode. I'm like, like, nah, no, I don't, I don't need to have a business degree if I want to do something like this. <laughs> and 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 my my foundation for mathematics kind of went by the wayside. A long, long time ago, at least the advanced portions of it. So, uh, computer science was not an option for me either. So, I I went with went with something else. Um, but yeah, the, this the if it weren't for if it weren't for ready access to the internet, wouldn't have been able to do all this stuff, and we wouldn't be able to discuss, um, you know. What's going on in the world of Minecraft since Microsoft um, bought the company that that uh, essentially owns it? Which, speaking of which, um, 
there there are fears that um, that it may uh, may go to pot if Microsoft messes with it too much. <laughs> there are questions of what's going to happen to the marketplace. What's um, and and you're an avid player of Minecraft too. <laughs> I was actually playing Minecraft just before we started this episode. I was trying to work on building something in the Nether. If you're familiar with the net Minecraft, there's uh, in vanilla Minecraft. I play with crap tons of mods, but if you're familiar with Minecraft, um, there's dimensions, and uh, I was messing around with one of the other dimensions. But anyway, get back to uh, a topic. <laughs> but yeah, there there's been concerns that um, that that since Microsoft fought out, it may actually not be may eventually not be as good as it could have been could be, or will will that that third party will third party mods be you know hindered? Um, I. You know, I don't know. I, I do know that that um, that when they bought Skype, they kept the they kept the they kept the comp- Skype company as a separate separate unit of sorts. And I guess let them operate for the most part independently. They just I guess bought it for the technology to integrate with Link. They're they're a telephony app, and of course, of course, my Toshiba kind of slows down when I'm trying to look at this. Um, Washington Post, um, IB Times, they're they're talking about it. Um, there's been reassurance that they're just going to make it. Be- they're going to keep everything that's making it great, and also try to make it better. Um, even talk of bringing it to the Windows Phone as well. Oh my! So uh, my Toshiba satellite only has two gigs of RAM. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> Try to open up too many tabs. Well, yeah, but it should be able to take it. That's the thing. Like if it was my if it was my uh, Breeze desktop, I would. I could see it bogging down, but but then again, this isn't Chrome OS that's running on this thing either. So, oh, there we are. I think I'll close this tab and this tab. That should correct it. Anyway, um, so. So they so they've bought out Minecraft. Uh, like, do you have any concerns about that? I do. Um, the day that I found out, the day that it went global, there was talk. There had been rumors about it for probably a week, two weeks. The Minecraft was plan or Mojang was or Microsoft was planning on buying out Mojang, and. Apparently, approximately a year, I think, um, Notch, one of the uh, creators of Minecraft, had tweeted that he he never wants to get rid of Minecraft. Something about 
it would it would take two billion dollars to do it. And if you guys are familiar with the recent transaction that took place, it was two point five billion was the actual amount in question. Um, I personally am concerned for the future of Minecraft. Now, the one thing that I can say that I don't think that I think will uh, be to Minecraft's benefit and Mojang's benefit in the creation of Minecraft is that Microsoft just can't kill off all the other platforms that it's already been released for or the platforms it's been planned to be released. And just, just the other day, uh, a couple of days ago, on the PlayStation blog or PlayStation Network blog, one or the other, uh, they mentioned that th there was going to be a release date for Minecraft for PS4, something, I think it was October 3rd, but for that, and then Xbox will be released for the Xbox One, or Minecraft will be released for the Xbox One, the PS Vita, and I think Microsoft plans on making it for the Windows Phone. At least that's what the CEO said she had, or he or she had plans for her. So it, I was concerned initially, but now some of these things are coming out. I don't think I don't think it's going to happen, mostly because Microsoft just can't kill off everything that they've already done. If anything, they want, they can make it better, and that's what they plan on doing is trying to make it better. And also, they in another article I read a week ago is that Microsoft does not want to disable players from creating excellent content. They don't want people to walk away from Minecraft and go, ah, oh, that's that's not going to be fun at all. They want people to come in, create something, and share it with everybody. They want they want people to be able to create and share all this content, and that includes mods. And one thing that I think Microsoft will do, something that Mojang never did, is that they will create some sort of an API to allow people to mod modders to come in create more mods for Minecraft and so on and so forth instead of having to rely on a third party uh, source like uh, uh, Minecraft Forge or uh, right. Minecraft Coder Pack it's for, uh, usually known as MCP on a lot of forums and stuff but I think I think the future of Minecraft looks pretty good Um, do you think Microsoft's going to go the way kind of of Sega and just um, and instead of trying to dominate with Windows, actually try to profit wherever it can? It well, I I think that ignoring profit is out of the question. They're going to try and profit from it the best the way the best way that they can, but. They've probably decided to grab, acquire Mojang to get a better foothold in the gaming uh, industry. Because if, for those of you that aren't familiar, Microsoft has not made very many games. They have 90% of the games that they have made have been things like Age of Empires 2, Age of Empires, that entire series that was all by Microsoft Game Studios. They've also they've also made some other strategy games. Um, they also made one of my favorite games ever, which was uh, Fable, the Fable series, Fable, Fable 2. I just recently bought Fable Anniversary. I've been playing it a little bit. but um, If anything, they can make it better. I really think they will. Well, and and I've noticed that... that when they when they bought the company behind Skype, they they kept it as a separate entity. 
and and suddenly um, releases for different platforms were actually updated. Um, you can actually install it. You know, install it onto Linux-based platforms if you want to, on Android, etc. So, so it's it looks like now it's to the point where they have no choice. They can't, they can't do a lockout or anything like that because they don't have the foothold to do that anymore. It's either adapt or they're going, they're going to go belly up as a company down the road. I've even noticed more and more that, and, and there are those who are fearing the whole, um, you know, embrace, extend, and then destroy strategies resurfacing. But I'm thinking that may they may not be as able to do that nowadays because of because of what's happened. Because more people are paying attention to what's in their what's in their software and you know what's in their devices too. And speaking of what's in your devices. Um, if, if, if this thing that we're going to talk about can be found in most of your, as, as an application in your Blu-ray player, if it can be found in most of your other, um, media type devices for entertainment, then why not make sure it can run on your platform of choice too? Um, Netflix is now working on native support for Linux-based platforms, and it's it's becoming more official now. Um, used to be you had to do a user agent switching string to kind of uh, tr- uh, trick the Netflix website into thinking, "Hey, you're on Windows." Um, Silverlight's fading, according to Engadget, and it, it kind of is. It's kind of even Microsoft's kind of abandoning it to a point, and they're going with HTML5. So, with HTML5, it doesn't matter which um, distribution you're running. Um, basically, uh, Paul Adolf kind of posted to the Ubuntu developers telling them that Netflix will play with Chrome Stable in 14.02 if NSS version 3.16.2 or greater is installed. Um, Basically, security... It's a a security-related thing, and it's... And encrypted, you know, it helps handle things like encrypted video streams, which is a high priority at Netflix. And the security updates, that component's going to be updated very, very, very soon. So, it, and the new version should, you know, come out and do in October and all that. So, And so crafty people have been able to, you know, change the user agent string to get, you know, HTML5 player support. 
Chrome OS, Android, Roku already have this support. So that so that's some good news for those who are wanting you know to be playing their Netflix series on you know on their computer on the go or at home or on your media box. I think it's great news. So that so that this is. But um, hopefully this works in other web browsers too. But do you do you have Netflix yourself or not so much? Uh, my fiance and I use a Netflix account. Um, we usually would use it on my TV when my Windows PC was connected to my TV, so I didn't have to worry about it. But if I wanted to, I could probably connect another device and make it run that way, especially with uh, the way this is working now. I haven't given it a try yet, and I do have – I've got an Android phone. I don't have the uh, Netflix app installed on it because I haven't had the need to because my network's not fast enough usually. And if I'm watching TV, I'm usually at home. If I'm watching the show, I'm usually at home. Right. I don't, I don't have last, uh, last break where I could probably utilize that time to watch some shows and stuff while I was on campus, but I don't have the need to now. So, And, like, one of the shows that my girlfriend and I watch now is, it's kind of become addicting, is Once Upon the Once Upon a Time series, and it's, and that that's kind of and it's kind of pretty cool. And if this support comes, I'll be able to more than one, ways than one catch up on episodes I may have missed. Although CenturyLink, certain times at night on certain days doesn't seem to take kindly to high definition streaming to a high definition television, but it happens sometimes. Uh, but um, but a, a lot of the stuff is kind of like advancing and 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 um, the next thing you know, we're going to be having like artificial babies who can who can do college level math. If if, if Intel, um, if Intel is uh, progresses the way they have been with uh, Baby X, their toddler simulation. So, apparently some guy holds up a picture book to computer screen, um, and let's see... Blonde toddler mimics his facial expressions, reads simple words aloud, and even plays basic video games with the scientist. It's a 3D simulated human child, and he's getting smarter every day. So that, that's... Um, I'd say that that's kind of scary. <laughs> it could be a little bit. The, the scariest part is the fact that this uh, Baby X simulation that they've created is... Is learning. It's it's just like a normal baby. They've replicated the processes of association and uh, assimilation and everything else, which allows young children to learn as they're growing up, as 
and even us as adults, we use the same techniques because it's basically embedded and hardwired in our brain to learn that way by association. I'm sure you've heard of it, and I'm sure you've probably played it, but there's like a word association game like you and a group of people could be like, you start off with one word like uh, uh, food, and then the next person says apple, and then the next person says pie. And all those three things are related because apple or uh, apple is a food, and then pie is a you can have an apple pie, or, and then once they move to pie, then somebody else could say, well, it's not a word, but you could say 3.14 because it's related to pie mathematically, but <laughs> you, you get the point. It's, it's how the human brain works. We associate things together to create a, a link in your brain so that way you understand what these two things are. Right. It's like the same thing between like a tablet and a phone. Like most kids now, they can pick up either one, use it just no problem because it's literally the same thing just on a bigger scale. Like here's my phone and here's my tablet and you can see the difference. It's just a size difference. Right. And software as well, but for the most part, the same gestures work. The uh, You can browse the internet, do whatever you want with it. So, and it's, it's crazy what the thing can accomplish especially if they let that loose out in the world. It is open source, though. <laughs> um, as, as long as they don't try to um, talk talk uh, slang, I'll, I'll be fine with it. Um, you know, the, the Guardian talks about... Um, He kind of, you know, Watson, the supercomputer that uh, beat human all comers in the quiz show Jeopardy in 2011. Um, but um, it can readily absorb information far beyond capacity of any human, but where it struggles is understanding our subtlety of language, particularly the human predilection of slang. And uh, to uh, to test Watson's skills at understanding slang, Brown instructed the supercomputer to digest the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> oh God! Um, in one test, Watson mistakenly used the word "bullshit" to answer one of Brown's queries. The Urban Dictionary has now been deleted from Watson's memory. <laughs> uh, so, um, I guess that I guess there is a limit to artificial intelligence. So, um, yeah, um, and and I guess that's going to be the big challenge of AI is um, is is um, Basically, the ability to improvise is one of the biggest weaknesses of computers out there. They cannot do it, or at least not as readily if they're not programmed for the possibility. Um, <laughs> uh, one of my instructors in one of my classes, it was the debate class I took, um, he talked about he, he was using the debate regarding... Um, Regarding replacing pilots with uh, mechanized and robotic 
uh, type components instead that can where you can remotely you know fly and land a plane and everything else but he he eventually explained to me the the counter art a counter argument that went beyond oh it might affect the pilots having a job the the unions would oppose it and he explained how a pilot was still able to land a plane even when one of the wings was ripped off in a storm um, and everything else so I get that th these this improvising and um, <laughs> oh my the urban I, I I think I read something about Watson and the urban dictionary before and then having to just going oh no we're we're removing that before but but um but this baby X um by Intel seems to be very 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 intriguing um Wow, and so th this this is this is pretty cool. <laughs> so, like, but this is this is kind of like a three D simulation, though it's not implanted inside a mechanized thing. So, hmm, what do you think is going to happen with this baby X? It's hard to say, um, since I would assume the way that the software works right now is it actually monitors. You can you can see the uh, actual processes that are going on in its virtual brain. You can see how it's analyzing everything that you're you're doing based on the learning process and everything else, and it uses it uses the webcam to get uh, get the user's face. Uh, to track the, the your facial motions, everything else, and when you show it something like a picture or whatever, or you're playing a game with it, it's that's how it learns. It's visual and it uses the mic as well for, for when you respond with uh, uh, voice and everything else. For so to move that from a stationary computer or a PC to something robotic, it, it's going to take a little bit of work and. Uh, Granted, they're working on both things. That's uh, one of the craziest things that Intel does is that they have this. Uh, uh, I forgot what the page was, but it's insights. Uh, IQ.intel.com is their uh, insights innovation research area where they allow people from all over the world use their products to develop new things, use to to innovate, and. So it's, it's hard to say what's going to happen, but I, I think they might eventually develop some sort of a robot with the, the BBX software, or the BBX software will probably give them a step forward in terms of that. So that's uh, so that, I remember reading about uh, artificial intelligence at, um, at at MIT and Stephen Levy's book Hackers: Heroes of the Computer Revolution and. And I think we've come a long way since that time, because like the big the big programming language that was being used at the time was Lisp, uh, 
and now now it's just now, now things have gotten more and more interesting so so I think that that pretty much wraps it up for you know the free flow of information series where we also got into some fun stuff too I I also I also think that maybe discussing kind of video games and video game related news too is in the future would be a good idea um um can't uh, can't make any promises at this point but I think I may be able to um, have an epi extra episode available ahead of time if I can get together with Stephen Kelly since he's he's settled in up in Independence now Independence area so he's he's not very far from where he works now and everything else I just have to I'd have to get with him but he and I might be able to do something this Thursday which would give you a break uh, next week possibly unless you're needing unless you're needing one next week no matter what which I I would totally understand you're running into your class loads kind of picking up I'm guessing by now not necessarily a class load. It's uh, I'm getting close to the end of my degree. I actually went and talked to my advisor today, and I found out I only have five classes left before I can graduate. So I'm getting wow. really close to being finished. And it's just I have all of my classes are high-level classes. I have nothing lower than a 3,000-level class, and I only have one 3,000-level class. Everything else is 4,000 levels, core and elective classes for my degree. So it's it's just it's the workload for the classes themselves. It's a little rough between that and work and full time. It can be it can be hectic, but um, I might be able to do a podcast next uh, next week if if you don't get one with Stephen. Otherwise, then we can do it week after or whatever. We'll figure something out. Possibly get some get something um, done ahead of time. That way. That way, should that should that time come, they'll we'll all be able to kind of take a break one week and have something available for everybody else by default. Um, uh, finally, managed to um, update the the um, back end for creating the RSS feed for the podcast and. The new theme is up. Unfortunately, I, I I should have done what they recommended and and back up certain files. Like the 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 sound files are still there. It's just the the little images that were associated with each episode are now gone. But that's all right. <laughs> um, but the new theme looks pretty good. May have to tweak it a little bit, but. But it looks like more and more things are being updated to make it easier to share on social networking too. Um, I mean, I, I'd like to get honestly, I'd like to get into the whole Gamers Gate uh, controversy because it, it a lot of it looks like he said she said stuff and among some other questionable things because apparently. Um, you know, 
you know how they how they talk about oh Fox News is biased or this this organization is biased or that's biased. Uh, there there have been issues in the gaming industry where gaming publications kind of um, have had to toe the line or face not getting um, access to uh, demos or game releases before they're officially on the market and things like that to where large gaming companies can make or break a publication practically. Uh, I, I've been kind of looking into that off and on and like, um, you know, basically saw, saw an article on cracked and, and the woman in question was talking about her experience about being the most hated person on the internet for a few weeks and I'm reading some of this stuff and going, hmm, this, some of this sounds plausible, but some of it sounded fishy. Because, you know, blaming one gender or another, I personally have an issue with. It's just, it, it, it's just, it's just one more us versus them mentality that I don't care for. But that's, that's just my view on it. So I, so I've, I've been looking into that. Um, and maybe talk, maybe even talk about that new toy you're getting in the mail sometime. Because I, I, I have an, I have, I have this guy, but your sounds like the screen of the phone you're getting is going to be even bigger than mine. Yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, I was talking with Thomas before we started the show, um, and uh, the phone I currently have is the same one Thomas had before. It's the Samsung Galaxy S2. It's getting a little old. Um, I was going to wait to get one, but I got a really good deal on a phone, so I decided to go ahead and get it. And it's the, uh, for those of you that don't know, it's the Sony Xperia Z Ultra. It's, uh, it's, it's a phablet. I told one of my other uh, classmates about it, and he looked at me. He's like, that's not a phone. That's a tablet. <laughs> because it's, it's a 6.4-inch touchscreen. And to put it into perspective, Tom's just showed you the Galaxy Note 3, which has a 5.7-inch touchscreen, and mine's almost an inch larger. His phone can actually sit inside the screen of my phone. Xperia Ultra, right? Yeah. Sony Xperia Z Ultra. And uh, it's it's really fast. It's, it's good. The only downside to it is that it doesn't have flash to the camera. So I'm going to have to live without flash on my camera from now on. Which... In some cases, may actually may actually be a good thing. I've noticed some cases flash actually hinders it. And um, the only the only problem is if I'm taking a picture in a dark area, then and if I need more light, then that's when the flash would come in handy. But I don't take many pictures anyway, so for me, it's not going to be too much of a big deal. I just usually use the flash on my phone as a flashlight anyway, so. And I'm trying to look up the specs of this thing, yeah, it's the the screen resolution look, sounds pretty impress, impressive, and it's a 1080p screen. Oh, absolutely. 1080p Qualcomm uh, Snapdragon 800 processor, which runs at 2.2 gigahertz. It's a very similar processor to the one that you're running. I think yours is faster, but it's got. A, the entire slew of connectivity that you would expect out of a common processor from now, or a common phone, 
uh, all the 2G speed. It's it's GSM phone, so it'll work with the T-Mobile network. Uh, it's got HSPA Plus, which is 3G and 4G in some cases, depending on your point of view. Um, and it's also got LTE connectivity, which I don't know if I'll actually get that on Walmart Family Mobile. I'll find out, but it's it's good. Well, but um, and ho- hopefully, hope hopefully T-Mobile actually expands their network out. Where where I'm at, voice and text work just fine for the most part. Um, texting sometimes gets delayed, but it was data where it would kick back to edge network speeds, which even then it was kind of spotty, and it's just like, oh my god. So, but um, hopefully that phone works out for you. But now there's so many, so many cool choices for, for uh, cell service providers that you can just. It's sometimes it's just better to pick a phone up yourself and and go with what you feel is best depending on your situation. So, so yeah, that's, I like the direction this, uh, this is going. And I think that just about wraps up this episode. Um, entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. I think we ought to do more gaming news and, and maybe some more wrestling news too, depending on it, depending on if it works out for this week or not. Um, I'm, I'm Thomas. And I'm Stephen Tompkins. And we'll um, have something for you next week, no matter what happens. So take care, all right?